Now, folks, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to look at the first five verses. Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to look at the first five verses. So let me just kind of bring you up to speed where we're at. We are working our way through Galatians. We've entitled this series, Accepted, Experiencing Grace Day by Day. And this whole letter has been about you and I and our approach to spirituality. Because remember, he started out this letter concerned for them. It was a very unusual letter. Normally he starts out with a prayer of thanksgiving, but in Galatians he doesn't do that. This letter was written just a few, more, few months after he was there, after he had established these churches. He had moved on, but he got a report about what was going on, and it was a report that really concerned them because they had folks who came among them, Judaizers, that, are, that is, they were people who professed to be Christians, came up from Jerusalem telling them now that they had to keep the law in order to be accepted with Christ. And so Paul has been addressing this issue that it's our acceptance with Christ is not based upon our efforts, but because of what Jesus has done for them. And now what needs to happen is a life that isn't driven by effort, but rather a life that's driven by our love for Christ, a spirit-filled life. And that's what he's been talking about. And that's what we're going to focus on today in our passage. And we're going to talk about true spirituality. True spirituality. And let me just kind of focus at first, before we look at this, these five verses, and let me tell you, there's a test about where you and I are at with regards to our walk with Jesus. You really want to know where you're at in your walk with Jesus? You really want to know how you're doing in your walk with Jesus? You really want to know if you're driven by an effort or a law-keeping mindset? versus a mindset of being led by the Spirit. Do you really want to know what the test is? Well, the test has to do with how you relate to other people. So let me just give you a couple of thoughts here. A couple of things to kind of get you thinking on the right path this morning, okay? The first thing I want you to see is, is that how you and I treat other people how you and I treat other people determines the level of your spirituality. How you and I treat other people determines the level of your spirituality. For years I've said this, because you can come to church, you can be among God's people, and there's a church culture where it's just totally acceptable to act one way in church, but act another way in church. And you'll see people come in, and I have to say I'm guilty of this myself, and we'll put on a spiritual front and act spiritual and say, oh, I love Jesus, and, and be nice to everybody. But then you really want to know where they're at? Watch how they treat people. In fact, I would go one step further. Watch how they treat people who are, quote, beneath them. What do you mean, quote, beneath them, George? Well, watch how they treat people who are from a different social economic class than them. Then you'll know how they are 
spiritually. Because you could talk a good talk, but the reality is, it's how you treat people. In fact, what I want you to see is, your view of people is determined by being spirit-filled or being effort-driven. Your view of your view of people is determined by being spirit-filled or being effort-driven. What do you mean by that, George? Well, listen. I know this from my own life. There was a time when I was really super critical of other people. Why did that happen? It happened, listen to me, because I was focused on trying to achieve something with the Lord and gain his acceptance by what I was doing. And when you do that, you have to compare yourself. You have to compare yourself with other people so that you can say you're doing well. So then when I saw somebody doing something that they shouldn't be doing, I then was super critical of them and judging them. That shows that I was being effort-driven. But when you're spirit-filled, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen at all. In fact, when you're spirit-filled, you are actually focused where you need to be, and that is helping others. In fact, that's the point that James makes. In James chapter 1, verse 27, he says this, Pure and undefiled religion before God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now notice what he says, to visit orphans and widows. In the Roman world of that time, those were the folks who were on the bottom of the social economic status because they were the poor, because they were the desperate, who couldn't care for themselves. They had no one to care for them. And if you were truly following after the Lord, you would care for them. See, that's the test. The test is, how are you right now in following the Lord? How are you right now in following the Lord? So what we're going to see now what we're going to see now is when we look at the scripture, he's going to talk about true spirituality being reflected in how you are with other people. So that brings us to Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. So let's look at these together. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. He writes this, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Wow. Do you see what's true spirituality here? When you talk about being spirit-filled, you are actually talking about how you are towards other 
people. It's going to be reflected in that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these five verses and we're basically going to divide it into two sections here. We're going to see verse 1. It's going to talk about how you handle those who are in sin. Because if you're a believer and you're filled with in a church with other believers, you know that at some point those believers are going to sin. Now the question is, how are you going to deal with somebody who's in sin? He gives us some guidance here in verse 1. Then we're going to get to verses 2 through 5, and he's going to talk about life together. Life together. So what we want to focus is on is verse 1, and we're going to see about handling those in sin. So I want you to notice what he says here in verse 1. He says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, where it says overtaken, that word can also mean caught. If someone is caught in sin, ensnared in sin, how do you handle that person? Well, let me just stop. Before I give you the two points here, let me just kind of point out to you that when you and I are living our lives by effort, the chances are that when you come across someone in your interaction with them as another believer, if you're caught in effort and you're trying to gain your acceptance with God by what you do, I'm going to guarantee you what ends up happening is, is that your approach to the brother who's caught in sin will be one of judgment. And I've seen it happen. Where you will judge that person. Point the finger at that person. Why? Because you yourself are caught in this spiritual defeat trap of trying to prove yourself to the Lord. Therefore, you compare yourself and you see yourself as being better. And that always comes out in your action towards others. That shows that you're living your life by effort. When rather what you should be doing is living your life led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. And if you do that, you're going to see that you are going to be different in your approach. In fact, hopefully you'll be guided by what verse 1 says here. And so I want you to see two points here. Here's the first one. Spiritual people should seek to help those who are enslaved to sin. Spiritual people should seek to help those who are enslaved to sin. Because when you are walking with Jesus, listen to me, and you're being led by the Spirit, you're recognizing that there is nothing good in you. That you yourself are a sinner. And that it's only because of the grace of Jesus and those who are being led by the Spirit, and because you love other people, listen to me, then you will go to the one who's caught in sin, ensnared in sin, and you will try to help them. Not being judgmental. Maybe you can have to be firm, but the point is, is that you're trying to help them who is enslaved to sin. You're trying to help them. And he tells you how to do this. He says you should approach them with gentleness and caution. 
gentleness, not a spirit of I'm better than you, I've got my act together, you don't, but gentleness. Because you're dealing with somebody who's hurting. You're dealing with somebody who doesn't know how to get out of the trap. They need to be dealt with with gentleness, but also with caution. Look here at what it says. Caution, caution it says. With the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. What does that caution mean? Well, when you're dealing with people in sin, you have to be cautious. Why? So that you don't fall into the same trap that they do. Because, folks, let's keep everything in perspective. Giving the right circumstance, the right situation, you could do the same thing that they're doing and you yourself could be led astray. You deal with them in gentleness. You want to help them, but you're also cautious. So that's when you're spirit-led, that's how you approach handling sin in someone's life. You're approaching it trying to help them to get out of it. See, this is the point I want you to see. All biblical confrontation in the Scripture is for the purpose of, are you ready for this? Not judgment, but restoration. You're wanting to restore that brother or sister back into a meaningful relationship with Christ because you know by their engaging in that sin, they are not helping their relationship with Christ. They've actually hindered it. And you want to get them back to where they need to be in their spiritual life. You'll see that throughout the New Testament. The issue is restoration. And so when you're handling those, you who are spiritual, help them, but you also want to do it with gentleness, but you also want to be cautious. So then he comes to verse 2 through 5, and he's going to talk about in general, if you and I are spirit-led, it's going to be reflected in our life with each other in our life together. And so we're going to see four things here. Here's the first one. Loving each other means helping others with the difficulties that they face. Loving each other means helping others with the difficulties that they face. In fact, he says it this way, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What do you mean by the law of Christ? Well, remember, the new commandment I've given to you, he says in John. What's that? Love one another. In fact, remember when Jesus was confronted many times by the scribes and Pharisees about what the greatest commandment was? He would say to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. And then he even says, and to love your neighbor as yourself. On these, the whole law hinges. So if you want to fulfill the law, he's saying here, of loving God, loving other people, then you've got to help people with the stuff that they're carrying. And you see that throughout the New Testament, that a New Testament church is one that helps each other bear the burdens that they're bearing. You don't come to church and say, oh, I'm here to worship the Lord, and next to you is somebody who's going through something that they don't know how to handle but you've been through it and you know how to handle it. But you know what? I'm just here to worship the Lord. Listen, folks, we've said it before. Church is more than a worship service. Church is encouraging and helping each other. 
And if you are spirit-led, it's going to be reflected in your action towards others. You're going to help them. You're going to help them to bear their burden. And thus you fulfill what the scripture is saying. Now, in order for that to happen, he goes on and tells us the next point here. You've got to deal with your pride. Look at what he says here in verse 3. I mean, you can't get any more plainer than this. He says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Ooh. Did you catch that phrase? When you think you're something, when in fact you're nothing, you deceive yourself. I think back to 1 Corinthians. The Corinthians had a pride issue. They thought they were hip. They thought they were cool. They thought they were something. And he points out that God doesn't choose the somebodies in the world. God chooses the nobodies. And when you look at who you are, you're nobody. This is the point I want you to see. So here's the point he's making here. Pride is a direct result of having spiritual blindness towards your true condition. Pride is a direct result of having spiritual blindness towards your true condition. If you can come anywhere, whether it's at work, whether it's at home with family or extended family, in your neighborhood, in the church especially, and you can come in and you think you are better than anyone else here, anyone, that reveals that you, not them, have a problem. And the problem is you're thinking too good about yourself when in fact you're nothing. What do you mean I'm not nothing, George? Well, let's kind of keep everything in perspective, folks. Everybody, unless they have Jesus, is going to hell. You, without Jesus, were condemned and going to hell because of your sin. Period. And the only reason why you and I have a standing, the only reason why you and I have acceptance with Christ is because of what Christ has done for us, not because of us. And so when you are prideful of who you are and you think you're something, I'm going to be honest with you, that is a direct, a direct result of you being spiritually blind to your own true condition. That's what he's saying here. And when you're struggling with that kind of spiritual blindness, there's no way you can help anybody else. But if you're going to be in a community led by the Spirit, you're going to recognize, I'm nothing. As you're helping other people, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. That's the point he's making here. Check out the next point he makes. Stop comparing yourself to others and truly see yourself based on God's work. That's what the point he's making here in verse 4. He says, but let each one examine his own work. Keep your eyes focused on yourself, and then he will rejoice in himself, not in another. Listen, you want to know how you're doing? Look at you, not by comparing yourself to other people, because we do that. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not as bad as this person. No. Look at yourself. Look at yourself and what you're doing. Don't compare yourself. 
I've noticed that when people are in the ditch of life, they, some people think that they're still okay. Why? Because they're not at the bottom of the ditch. They're only halfway down. Why is that? Because somebody else is at the bottom and they're doing better than that person. Quit comparing yourself. If you're going to be led by the Spirit and interacting with each other, you need to focus on you. And when you focus on you, here's what you find, folks. If you truly focus on you, you realize you're not doing too good. I'm not doing too good. And that it's only because of Jesus. Only because of Jesus. And that's where your joy comes in, is in what Jesus has done for you. Not looking at someone else. That's the point he's making here. Not looking at someone else. And then finally he brings up another point. That perspective comes from understanding the load you have to carry in life. Look at what he says there in verse 5. For each one shall bear his own load. You know, this is, this is becoming real to me. You would think, man, I, I wonder why I didn't grasp this earlier. I'm 54. I'm just realizing this now. Each one of us has to carry what we carry in our lives. I don't need to judge someone else. I don't need to look at them and say, oh, I'm doing better than them. You know what? That's what they're carrying. I have to carry what I'm carrying. And if I get my eyes back on where it should be, is that focusing on myself, helping other people to help them carry the stuff that they're carrying, I realize I got enough to carry on my own. And I have the cup that I have to drink. I have the cross that I have to bear. That's true for each and every one of us. That's true for you. That's true for me. And if I'm spirit-led, I understand that. But if I'm effort-led, I don't understand that. I don't have to pay attention to what I'm doing. I just have to do the right things. That's not true here in this passage. If you're going to be spirit-led, it's going to be reflected in how you are with other people. And part of that being right with other people and doing right by other people is getting a true perspective of who you are and the load you have to carry as you help them carry theirs. So let me kind of wrap this all up in a couple of things I want you to think about. I'm going to make two points here that I want you to see in the midst of what you're going through. Okay, two points. Here's the first one. What does your actions towards others reveal about your spirituality? What does your actions uh, towards other people... So when I am with you and I watch how you treat other people, what does that say about your spirituality? Look at how you are with your family. Look at how you are with your friends. Look at how you are with others, especially with those who are strangers. How are you with the clerk at Walmart? How are you with the clerk at the local supermarket? How are you in the restaurant with that waitress? How are you? That says more about you than it does about them. Well, you know, they didn't do, I, I'm not, I don't care. It's how you are acting. What does that say about you, the follower of Jesus, in your actions towards others? What does that reveal about your spirituality? I'm going to be honest with you, folks. It's going to point out real quick whether you are effort-driven rather than spirit-filled. Just being honest with you. Here's the second thing I want you to see. 
You have to truly see yourself before you can love and serve other people. You have to truly see yourself before you can love and serve other people. I'm going to be honest with you. As a pastor, one of the most profound moments in me was realizing that I'm a sinner. And that I fail. And that I need Jesus. Because when I came to that conclusion, that changed how I dealt with other people. See, if you don't understand who you are, that you are a sinner in need of Jesus, then you're going to be judgmental towards other people. You're going to see yourself as better than them. But folks, when you and I come to the place of realizing that we deserve to go to hell, and it's but for the grace of God, there go I, as George Whitfield once said, you and I, are not in a good place if we don't truly understand where we are. So you have to truly see yourself before you can love and serve others. And that's what Paul's calling us to. Folks, I want you to think about it for a moment. If our church was driven by being focused on what the Lord wants and being spirit-filled and loving each other and bearing each other's burdens because we truly understand who we are and the load that we have, what kind of church would our church be? I think that's something we should be striving for, isn't it? That's what we need to do in our own lives and as a church. Something to think about. Let me pray for you and I as we consider this passage for our lives. Father, we do thank you for your word it's so easy for us to be ensnared in the trap of being effort-driven. But Lord, it's not just a defeating thing for ourselves in our own lives. It's also reflected in how we treat other people. And we have to admit, Lord, when we are effort-driven, we become judgmental of others. And we confess that to you right now, that we've sinned in doing that. We want to be spirit-led. We want to be sensitive to the needs of others so that we can help them. We want to love others just as we love you. But part of that is, is we've got to get a grip on who we are and our need for you and your grace in our lives. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us so that we can... Be what we need to be to other people so that our church can be what we need to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.